Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. We are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of GreenLink Networks, which is a voice over IP channel only. Business started in 2004. Combined, we're about 30 employees. You know, the reason I wanted to do this podcast was because I wanted to take that pain away from some of the new guys. I realized that a lot of the MSPs that were starting up were struggling with some of the same things that I struggled when we started our business. Meeting Craig and Joe, we shared the same passion and a lot of the same issues. My name is Craig Hickman. I'm with ProBlue in Bloomington, Indiana. ProBlue is a managed service provider. We started in 2005. I started with three employees and now we've grown to 11. We're a small shop servicing a little over 200 customers. This is a great opportunity for me to talk to other peers and learn what they have done and what they have not done well and avoid all those caveats. This is a learning experience for us and also hopefully helping others along the way. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're an MSP. We're currently about a dozen employees. We were originally founded in 1999. I believe in this podcast because I wish somebody was there to help and teach me a lot of the mistakes that they made and share their mind share on how to overcome issues. I was lucky enough to meet Craig and Myron a few years ago. I hope that you got a lot out of this podcast. Now here's your hosts, Myron, Joe, and Craig. And welcome back to the next episode of IT for Whiskey. I am your co-host, Craig Hickman, with my best buds, Myron Herrera and Joe Ustia. Yo! It is once again the trio back together talking about the best things of life, which includes one, whiskey, two, owning your own MSP, three, talking to Rob Ray privately on a phone line when he's not listening. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That happened to me one time. Out of the three of us, I'm going to wave this flag. I've known Rob the longest. I've known him since the 90s. I love the guy. Neil laughed about this. And you know what I will say? He's held true to his colors in 30 years. Was that red and white? He's not changed as a person. Solid then, solid halfway through, solid now, solid tomorrow. He's a solid guy. I love the guy. So I I don't talk about this often, or I don't talk about this at all, but there are two people in the channel that I admire a lot. And one of them is Rob Ray, and he doesn't know this, and he's a listener. He's hearing it now. And the other is Scott Barlow. They, to me, represent old school, and not because they're old, but old school thinking in terms of the way that they handle the channel, how they treat their partners and things like that. And it's something that Giovanni and I try to model on our Greenlink side as how we treat our partners. And that's really Rob Ray. He's, he's a big deal about that. So that's all. And we're not even talking that this is not what the episode's about. Joe, what is the episode about? So today's episode is about how do we transition our MSP business that we have today in this COVID pandemic back to normality? Whatever normality is tomorrow, we don't know. But how do we get there? How do we predict the unpredictable? That's a great question, Greg and Myron. I think I have the answer, but I'm going to save myself to the end. You've had a a lot to drink. I can tell. You know, I I think a lot of us are going to come out of this very differently. Craig, do you have any any thoughts on how that's going to happen? Well, honestly, you know, we're a central business, so we could essentially be at our office right now, technically. Right. But assume that tomorrow is the the day that we're going to transition over back to normality or whatever that new normal is. I think what we're probably going to do as a company is we're going to do 
a powwow online and discuss it as internally as a group. But I'm visioning that we're probably going to go to a work from home hybrid where we'll have a group of us will come in certain days of the week while another group will probably work from home and, and work on a uh, piece where people can have both lifestyles going on as, as, as actually it's actually worked pretty well so far as a company. Can I interrupt you and ask you a quick question? By the way, Pro Blue staff, this is not set in stone, by the way. <laughs> but anyways, did your staff take like stuff home, like extra screens and stuff like that? The majority of them took home were, uh, they took their desk phones home. I know that because not everybody wanted to use the soft phone. We have an older crowd kind of at our place. So we got people that are used to the tradition and they didn't take a whole lot home with them. I know they didn't take any screens, didn't take keyboard or mice. Everybody's pretty much set up with their own two screens at home. But they're personal screens. Personal screens, personal machines that are limited to certain types of access. Because the majority of all our stuff is in the cloud anyway. Yeah. So my, my, my concern there or my question is really about, for us, like some of our staff took their monitors home and things like that. So that way they have all the, the screens and, and whatnot. So if I was to open up to that, which... By the way, I'm a, we have to be in our office kind of person. I believe that we, we, we work together better in the office. So let's assume that I'm open to that. How do I deal with that piece that when they're working from home, they're going to be limited because they don't have the pieces? Is that something I have to provide? If my, I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack a bit. So there's a few weeks ago when we moved to a remote workforce, I offered everybody to let me know, are there any pieces that you need at your house in order to do your job efficiently? If so, tell me and I will have it drop shipped to your home. And only one person took me up on that offer. Right. But that that was in an, a, we're in a pandemic and we have to... I had to do work. I had to have them working. But now when you, you're going back to normal, but I'll give you an example. We have a dozen or so developers, right? So they're used to working with three screens. And while they're at home, they may be working with one. And yeah, we're in a pandemic and it's okay. But long term, do I really want that? Is productivity going to be the same? So I will say this. So this is not official for us either, but we've been toying with the concept of hot task in the office three days a week at home. People are used to working at home. So why not take advantage of it? I will say this, our ticket volume has been 300% higher, but we are actually maintaining our SLAs within 5%. This is great for an MSP. This is great for us. Why would we not want to take advantage of it? We've definitely seen a difference in the type of tickets that we're getting on the MSP side. I was talking to one of my staff yesterday, and he was saying that although the number of tickets have gone down, the complexity of the tickets different. It's not what they're used to getting. Granted, people are working from home, also the users. So their environments are different and whatnot. But how do we deal with that? If I hire five people tomorrow, do I have to now supply them with equipment at home and things like that? Or what do we do? For your situation, Myron, well, you have a mixed work environment with people from different parts of the world. And if, if they have good connectivity at their location too, that's another good question. So the question that has come up here is if people are working from home, should we also be paying for other things like internet? 
Yeah, should I be paying for that? We do not provide phones anymore, but I provide hotspots through an unlimited data plan through their iPad. That's how we get around that. But for you to purchase a computer, well, the question is, are they coding and compiling locally? And if it so... Depends. But they got VPNs and all that good stuff. That, that I'm not worried about that. It's more about the productivity with the extra screens, the comfortness of a desk. What's the screen cost? 200 bucks? Depends on the size of the screen and the quality. 200 bucks. We have 50 plus employees with some of them up to three screens each. So it's 200 bucks, but tally it all up. It becomes an expense. I would say if someone's interested in working from home, if they can prove that they can do the productivity from home, you put them on a trial basis. And if they can do it, then great. If not, then you're back in the office and return the equipment. But do we give away that person's desk? Oh, in your office and replace it. I see. I don't see anybody in my office want to do a, a warm desk thing, whereas when we have the work from home going on, they still have a dedicated desk at our office. We're not going to move people around from within the same desk area, especially with everybody being so conscious about germs and viruses. And that, that's really what it's about. So if fine, if I got to purchase equipment for them and they're going to work from home, great, but they're not going to have a desk at the office. Honestly, if I could find somebody that can work efficiently remotely and not come to my office, I would hire that person. We have a few employees that are like that, that they never come to the office and they work predominantly at home. That saved us during this pandemic because because we have a dispersed workforce. It's been good, but we supplied them everything from day one. They do have the hotel desk in the office and weekly the hotel desk is cleaned normally under normal situations, but now it's cleaned daily if they, well, today there's nobody there, hasn't been for a few weeks. But when we're going through this whole pandemic scenario, we had the cleaning crew Lysol the desk every day. Life goes on, right? So when things go back to normal, that'll be the new norm. Yeah, no, I get it. It's for uh, those MSPs like us that we don't, we, we're not open. It's not that we don't allow. We're not open to having staff work from home or whatnot. We want them to be in one of our offices. I'm open to it, but I want to know what the solution around all the caveats are because I don't want, I don't want quality to go down. No, I don't want voice quality on the calls because they, they're now on poor internet or they have a problem with going into a video call or something like that because they're poor internet, bad backdrop or whatever. So there's there's a lot of pieces to it. I think it's going to be different for every business that is looking into looking at a work from home force with a, a hybrid model of having people come into the office as well. Finding the right mix and finding people that will work in that environment, who will work efficiently, who will be able to stay up on top of their ticket lists. But the thing is, some employees have to be micromanaged because they can't think for themselves. You have to have people that are independent thinkers and understand that they need to be able to get things done and not have to rely on upper management to tell them the things to do from day to day. And that is a very hard person to find. All three of us know nobody works as hard as the person who's actually in charge, who is the owner, because they're the ones that have the buck stops here. And if we know that if we're not making the money for the company, it's hard to employ the people. I'm sorry, did I ramble on there too long? I apologize, boy. Yeah, no, no, you 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 rambled long enough and it's good, it's good, but ramble more. <laughs> I would only say that I think that we need to get our staff a little bit more whiskey. Well, considering my most important staff member only drinks Miller Light. Well, that's then you get a Miller Light. Not not a sponsor, by the way. <laughs> 
Nope. Nope. Ding, ding, ding. I want to ask and, and, and change the direction, but before that, I want to talk about what we are all drinking. Joe, what are you drinking? Since I saw you gulp it all down. Today, based on our pandemic situation, I have resorted to my safe place. I am actually drinking. You've all heard me talk about this before. The Glendronic 12. Yes, it is a fantastic, fantastic. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, no. I Sorry. So I, st- <laughs> I started in the 1792 small batch, I will admit. And then you moved on. <laughs> and I moved on. I had one drink left on that, and, and I moved on. Sorry, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. That is the whole thing of this pandemic. We go from one thing to another. We don't remember it. We forget. So I did start the episode on the 1792 small batch. It is a 94 proof. It's a fantastic bourbon, but it's empty. And then you moved on. (laughs) Joe is sad. Craig. Well, I had started with the 1792 bottle and bond when we did our pre-show, which in order to get access to the pre-show, there's a large fee. But in my theme of wild turkey, I am drinking the wild turkey 13-year distiller's reserve. It is a 13-year-old Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. This you cannot buy in the United States. This is not sold here. But if you can find a bottle, you should definitely pick up all of them. It is an excellent whiskey. I only have one and a half of these left now. A lot of people think of wild turkey is like, eh, it's, you know, it's wild turkey, but they make some excellent whiskeys if you get into the higher end of their, of their bottles. I am drinking my 1792 bottle and bond. I open up a new bottle today. I hadn't drank this in close to four or five months. This is hard to find these days. And I'm fortunate enough that a good friend of mine told me to buy them when I did. Did I tell you to buy them all? What did I, was it me or somebody else tell you to buy it? I liked it a lot. And you said, buy it because it's going to go away. And I bought enough. <laughs> enough is a good number. Yeah, enough. So bottle and bond today. And bottle and bond, boys and girls, means it's a minimum of 100 proof. It is always a good whiskey if you can find a bottle and bond bottle made for by almost anybody. So you're knowing what you're getting when you buy a bottle and bond bottle. And would recommend that if you find one that is unique, buy it and try it. Yeah, I would agree. I I think that the bottle and bond bourbons was what made me a fan of bourbon drinks. Then I was able to venture out into other areas. But that 1792 was the number one bottle and bond for me. Yes, it is. It it was funny because for me, it was quite similar. But do you guys remember we were sitting out on a patio I think it was L.A. or Arizona or <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember where it was. Are our, our, our meetings starting to run together now when we get together? I don't think we've been in Arizona together. <laughs> Phoenix? We've never done Phoenix together? We were, sitting, we were sitting on a patio. And so dude in the room next to us knew you. I don't remember who it was. It's like, oh, is that Basil? Is that Basil Hayden? Could, it, could I hit it? Could I hit that up? Do you remember that? I said, oh, yeah, sure. We had a full bottle, whatever. We gave him a swig, whatever. You know, I still like Basil Hayden to this day. Not the rye. The regular. Yeah. The problem with Basil Hayden in my house is that every time I open up a bottle of Basil Hayden, my nephew Chris Duran comes and kills it. So I, I don't I don't get to drink a nice bottle. 
Craig. So this is here for you when you guys visit. This is a Basil Hayden aged 10 years. So you're going to put tape on that and put Joe and Myron's name on it? It already has it. Okay, nice. So guys, so how are we going to deal with our customers? How are we going to deal with field work, like going on site to our customers now that we're going back to normal or potentially going back to normal? So what we have done currently, if you're a non-essential business, we have postponed you until the lift has happened here in our region. Unless it's an emergency and it's not critical to the operation, we are not going on site right now. We're just postponing all that work until later. Hopefully here in the next week or two, we'll be able to go out. Right. But let's assume that today is later and they've said, okay, it's lifted. The questions that come up when we go on site right now is, for instance, how many people will be on site at that location? And has anybody been infected or sick? And then from there, we'll make our determination if we are going to be attending that site or not. How do you deal with that with the customer? They have a server down on site and you got to go on site because the server's down and they've had an infected employee, let's say, which they legally don't have to tell you, by the way. Well, if it's a server that we manage, we can access that remotely and reboot it. But let's assume you need to go on site. It's a bad switch. Nope, not a client. <laughs> okay, so you're safe. Good. Joe, how are you going to deal with it? So we're, we're in that same boat where if it is a client, we'll know before it actually goes down. And if they are a client and we don't know, it's because we don't have our proactive care in place. No, no. I'm, what I'm talking about, guys, you're, you're misunderstanding what I'm talking about. I Oh, no, 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 no. I understand the question. Oh, I get the question. You're not getting is we've sent a note out to our customers. I sent it out five weeks ago saying, let me be clear about this. If you are a proactive care customer that you're subscribing to our managed services, you'll get a priority. But at the end of the day, if it does not get approved by management on our side, you better have somebody there. We'll do a I'm trying to I'm trying to generalize it for the general MSP, right? Everybody else. I know we're top of class. Yeah, but Myron, it's simple. But I, I want to understand. Risk your own health for a customer. Get them there, ship them the equipment, whatever is required. You don't go on site. There you go. So that's what I'm asking for. Go through it. That's what we do. Ship me the equipment or give me access after hours so that I can do. That's that's really what it comes down to. That's it. At the end of the day, what it comes down to is one thing. Health and safety. For me, I have I have staff in New York. I have staff in New York, right? And they, they go on site. Some of our customers are essential. Dwayne, who's been great, he's he keeps going when needed. You know, he's he's like, I'm like Flash. I go in, I go out, I do what I got to do. I don't touch anything. But how are people going to deal with that as the things get lifted and customers start expecting that we're there more often? Right now, people are more flexible. But when things come back to normality, some people will go back to normality a lot quicker than others. How are we going to deal with that? Well, let's say my customer is like, well, we're past the pandemic. I need somebody here now. And we're like, well, how are we going to deal with that as an MSP? We're treating managed service clients as a priority versus a non-managed service client. They actually receive priority over all their non-essentials. I think having a good litmus test for, you know, asking the appropriate questions to the client to make sure that their safety, you know, are you, you know, because the good question is how many are on site, how many are in that location? Because we have some clients that have like five buildings and we're trying to decide if it's like, for example, we had a 
customer recently that had a computer problem. We had them move the computer into a common large room down a table that we then entered with nobody else around, picked up the machine and took it off site. There was nobody around when we picked up the thing. So it's, it's coming up with a situation where I don't need to go to that person's desk to work on it. You need to unplug the entire unit, move it to a common safe space that my technician can pick it up and take it off site, do whatever work needs to be done. And then if need be, if we don't want to bring it back, we'll just ship it back to them. I mean, we just have UPS or FedEx deliver it. Yeah, and that works. Like I have, I have clients in like Kansas City, for example, and I don't have any onsite staff there or in LA, right? So that's our standard procedure before the pandemic. So I think other MSPs have to realize that that's possible. You can talk to your customer and say, "Hey, look, Mister or Mrs. Customer, we can walk you through the process, unplug the unit, ship it." We've done video with customers and had them show us the situation over uh, FaceTime or any type of WhatsApp video and then walk them through the whatever procedure without having to go on site. Now, the interesting part about this is you're going to have some customers now become very emboldened and attempt to do things on their own, which, you know, that's fine. But sometimes they make the situation worse than it actually needed to be because Sometimes certain things shouldn't be plugged into things. Well, and it's and there's also the opposite. You, we have customers or users that they need help. They need somebody physically there, but they're like, no, I'm not letting somebody get near my desk or my house. I, I looked at our incoming ticket list today, actually, quite quite extensively. And we have got a lot of things on, on postponement right now due to this environment. And, you know, I've got an older workforce now. And I want to make, I want to keep them safe and healthy because, you know, if I'm doing my part to keep themselves safe and healthy, they understand that I'm looking out for their best interest to become so that they, they don't become, and I don't want, I do not want anybody to get infected in my group. And I don't think I can afford to have anybody get infected in my group just because they're all essential to the operation. And that's the whole thing. It's a, it's a balance as, as business owners. And that comes down to communication and that's keeping them in touch, informed what's going on. And the next email that should be coming out from us here to our customers is like, hey, if we had the lift soon on the band of, of tra- I mean, moving around, what can you expect from us? It's like, here's how we're going to handle the situation. Because you don't want to be in a search in a point where they're contacting you and you're like, I don't know. They don't want to hear that. They don't care. Absolutely. It is the, your staff's got to be informed and then they have to be informed. So that way there's a clear communication of what it is that we're trying to do. What are the limits of what we're trying to achieve? But also, you know, you have some contracts in place. What do those contracts allow you or don't allow you to do? One thing we are working on doing right now is reviewing all of our current hospitality groups that we support. And we're looking to actually give them a ramp up free time to get them back up and going again so that they don't have to take on so much pain to get their business going, whereas they have suffered so much between now being closed. So that's something we're going to try to do is just help them. Because what, what the thing is, so many people are looking to cut costs right now. I don't want them to feel like they need to cut our costs just because that seems to be an easy area. I want them to be welcomed back into the community because being in a college town, there is a massive amount of people being laid off due to the hospitality being closed. Yeah, but I think that that's part and parcel to what we need to do as a managed service provider throughout this entire process. So we consider ourselves an outsourced department or the actual IT department for a lot of our customers. Communicate. Tell them. Don't be a ghost or a shadow. You need to be on a weekly basis or two times a week. Say, hey, we're here. We got your back. We're not going anywhere kind of thing. So as a part and parcel to that whole communication, if you 
communicate that to them as you, we transition back into their normal life, I think it would be a lot easier. It won't be as stressful. I agree. I agree. And, and, and it's a two way, you know, like what Joe's saying, it's a two way communication with your customer, right? You have to keep them informed and, you know, they have to also keep you informed of what's going on in their business, you know, and, and what they're comfortable with. So that way it all works. You know, guys, at this point, we're close to our time. Uh, so Craig, I'll let you kind of have the last words. What last words? Craig, what are the last words of this episode? I, honestly, boys, at the end of the day, we enjoy what we do. We like our company. I think we do. But most importantly is we're here to help people through this pandemic period and get to where they need to be at, at the next stage of this and helping those understand that everybody's going through this. I don't think there's one person that's not touched by this whole scenario, all the way from Toronto through Indiana, all the way down to Dallas, Texas, where by far they had the best barbecue I've had so far. Amen. <laughs> Pre-pandemic. <laughs> Pre-pandemic. But this too shall pass. But it does. It has one question that raised to me as we close out is, I hope we have all learned from this and that we will take this and it will improve our businesses when we come out of it and not just be a one time like, oh, yeah, that happened. But now we're even better than we were before. I agree, because I think that if we take what we've learned and then we say, oh, egotistically, we beat this and we don't pay attention to it, round two will hit us and it'll hit us harder. And next year in 2021 will be so much worse than 2020. 2021, this episode will occur in uh, Edinburgh, Scotland. That's something like that. Something like hey, that. Hey, man. Do you guys remember air remember airplanes? What? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I remember riding on airplanes. Airplanes were awesome. Take your places fast. Take it away, Kevin. That's all for this episode of IT for Whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at it for whiskey. Yo. This is what we have to deal with, Kevin. No, I, did you see what he just said? Kevin, no, I did. Why aren't you here to moderate these things and help help me? Where are you, Kevin? Oh, we're still recording. No, please don't take your shirt off, Joe.